Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Chihiro Kurokawa. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you so much, Whitney. It's a privilege to be uh, chatting with you. Appreciate the opportunity. Chihiro decided in 2017 that his vision of the future required more than his corporate paycheck. He persisted for over two years before closing his first commercial real estate acquisition, a 128-unit multifamily property in Central Texas. He currently manages just under 400 units in addition to his passive investments. Chihiro, you know, I, I, I love some other things you put just in the information to us that the listener wouldn't normally see, but Chihiro has a just a, an amazing uh, level of, of, of being relentless until it pays off. And, and I'm, I just wanted us to be able to dive into that and what he has done and accomplished, how he's gotten there. Just from our conversation before the show, uh, I'm just really looking forward to hearing this. And I hope it encourages the listener for where you're at right now to just be relentless and keep uh, pushing forward. Chihiro, thank you again for your time. Get us started. Give us a little background so we can just show the listener you know, how you've been relentless and, and how all that effort has paid off. Yeah. So my story really starts with kind of drifting through my college years without having a whole lot of uh, direction or strategy. And then I graduated in uh, 2003 from college. And then I went into the insurance industry and worked there for actually over a decade and really just wasn't feeling fulfilled, challenged mentally or uh, in any way, really. And just kind of had thought that that was going to be my lot in life to kind of be drifting through life and, and be subject to the, to the winds of change and, and not really control my destiny. Well, the, the very first step of personal development for me was to realize that my kind of lofty dream of, of thinking of going to business school was actually achievable. And when I actually took the five minutes to research what it would take to go to business school, I was like, well, shoot, there's no reason why I can't do this. So that was a big personal development step for me. Fast forward out of, out of business school, I graduated in 2015 and uh, I get my uh, dream corporate job. And I do that for about a year. I'm really learning a lot, enjoying the job. But then I realized that that presented its own challenges as well as far as a lack of control over my own destiny. And how am I at that time, I'm looking at getting married and uh, potentially starting a family and paying for my retirement and my wife's retirement. And I'm like, how the heck am I going to do this? The math just seems pretty precarious. So it was then that I started to seriously think about how to diversify my income streams and increase income beyond the corporate realm. And so beginning of 2017, like you mentioned, Whitney, is when I first made the commitment to myself that I was going to get into multifamily. And like you said, it took almost over two years by the time I closed that first apartment deal, 128 units in Abilene. So during that whole period of two years, the story was was relentlessness. You know, when you think about working a full-time job, having commitments with your family, and then really trying to start up an entire new business from scratch while you're doing all that, it takes relentlessness. You know, there's just no two ways about it. There's no easy way to do it. And so, it was that realization 
at first that got me going, but it was relentlessness that got me through it and uh, ultimately uh, led to a successful acquisition in, uh, that closed in March of 2019. It's awesome. I, I mean, I have a very similar story in, in just a, a you know full time job, family commitments, all these things happening. But it, it still takes a, 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 you know just the extraordinary dedication, right? You know, and commitment. And I want to quote you before we even got started. Chiro had said, "No abnormal results without abnormal effort." And and you know that's that's his quote. Uh, and I just I love that because it, it just it's so true, right? I mean, you can't be you don't have to be the the smartest person in the room, but I tell you what, if you'll if you'll outwork most of them, you'll you'll still achieve uh, you know greater results. Chiro, you know, well, let's dive into that just a little bit. You know, being relentless. You know, what does that mean when you are that busy, you're trying to accomplish all these things. You know how how did how did you maintain that level of relentlessness and dedication? To get real specific, it, it really means waking up way earlier than any normal, typical person would wake up, which is a common theme with with people doing what what you and I do, right? Like a lot of your guests have mentioned, I wake up at at four thirty or or what have you. So yeah, it takes waking up very early. One thing I love about waking up early is, you know, people don't, maybe never say never, but I, I've never heard of anybody who, who wakes up early to feed their drug addiction or some sort of compulsive behavior. That sort of stuff tends to happen at, late at night, right? So, when you wake up early, you almost can't help but be productive, whether it's, it's reading to better yourself or, or working on underwriting, in my case, uh, sending out emails to maintain relationships with brokers, to constantly be hitting them up for, for new deals and acquisition opportunities. So that sort of work got done very early in the morning before I would go into the office. And then I've got a full work day. And then I would do the exact same thing coming home or after coming home, eat dinner real quick, do the dishes and then work. And you know, going back to the relentlessness point, Whitney, that's really difficult when you think about somebody who's in that mindset They've, they've told their loved ones, their spouse, their friends, hey, I want to own apartments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Great story, Chihiro. Like, but when you think about somebody who's been spending money traveling to uh, tour deals, going to conferences, buying all these books, completely immersed in multifamily, and yet he owns zero properties, has never even made best and final, and he's a year and a half into that process. Think of the challenges that that person has. Uh, interpersonally with their with their spouse, for example, like, oh my gosh, you spent thousands of dollars on this thing, got nothing to show for it. Those are some tough conversations, right? And and so getting through that, I think, requires that relentlessness. Like you have to be just obsessed with with becoming a multifamily investor, becoming a syndicator, or it's just not going to happen because this is uh, too hard of a business. It just isn't going to fall into your lap. So you know that that was a. Uh, I guess kind of a a look into where my state was or the state of my mind was during that that two years, which felt much longer than it than it actually was, wherein I didn't actually have anything tangible to show to my friends or my loved ones, but I just had steadfast mm-hmm. faith that hey, I just got to keep doing this thing and it will happen at some point. 
No, I love that. You didn't have anything tangible. I experienced the same thing. It was like two and a half, three years uh, before we really broke through. But it just took the daily, daily grind and many, many hours. Keep pushing, right? I mean, I can relate so well to what you're talking about. But I want to ask you, you know, doing these things every day, what, what were a couple of things or three, th- you know, a few things that you're doing daily that helped push the needle forward? You know, if you could just pick a few things for the listener to focus on, what was that? One I mentioned was definitely waking up early. I think there's just no more productive period in in the day than early when you're up at five and you're already at at your computer doing work. That that's just so critical to your development. So that's number one. Number two is find some way to surround yourself with people who have done what you want to do. Is easier said than done. I chose the path of doing that through mentorship. So I joined a group called Think Multifamily with Mark Kenny and surrounded myself with outstanding people that I admired, that I wanted to be like. And being around them, talking to them, meeting with them was a, a huge step in my development. There's nothing that motivates you like seeing somebody who's similar to you who did what you want to do. So that was a tremendous motivational factor. And number three, and I'd say least important is, is the mechanics. Like you got to understand the jargon, the lingo. Uh, you've got to understand how to underwrite. You need to learn concepts of asset management. It's those mechanics. But I say that last because I think the first two are more important. Having a, a sense of, of discipline about yourself and commitment and being around people who motivate and inspire you, I think by far are, are the most important of those three. How did you stay motivated when, you know, the friends and family, let's say you're 18 months in and, you know, friends and family have just seen you working this many hours. Definitely, they've seen less of you, uh, you know, because you're over here focused on something else now. What were, what were some of the setbacks that you felt there, you know, or maybe your friends and family are, are really questioning what you're doing? You know, how did you handle that? What were your responses? How did you stay focused? you know, during that, you know, when maybe it made you start to question yourself, you know, (laughs) I know it did me. uh, But you know, how did you stay motivated during that? I did question myself. I absolutely did. And I specifically recall one fall, just explicitly taking a two week break, I I did nothing related to multifamily because I I was just burned out. Uh, But I knew I was going to get back into it. I knew it was temporary, but I had to take a break because I was driving myself nuts. So, was there an element of questioning myself? 100%. In terms of motivation, though, I, I kind of have an interesting thought on motivation, which is I feel like a, a, to a large extent, creating or generating motivation is kind of a falsehood. Like you, you, you either have it or you don't. So when I say, and I have said this, and I will say this, that anybody can do multifamily, I do mean that. Like anybody can do what I do. But not anybody, in fact, very few people will do what I do because they're simply not motivated to do it or perhaps they don't have the, the resources to do it or, or what have you. But they either, most likely they won't because they're not motivated to or in some instances, they, they literally can't. Maybe they're a surgeon and they work 90 hours a week or something. And so, I think the topic of motivation is is a little sticky. Like to some extent, like you have to have it within you to go chase after something relentlessly. And it could be watercolor painting, it could be football, it could be multifamily, whatever it is. But if you've never demonstrated that sort of 
uh, grit in any activity in your life, then I would find it probably very unlikely that you're going to pick that up at a later point in your life and apply that to anything uh, inclusive of multifamily. Tell me a key thing that helped you get to that first deal and tell us about the first deal. So that first deal, I had had, I wouldn't say a relationship, but I knew the broker because I had offered on a deal prior. So at least he knew who I was. And so it's in Abilene, which is a tertiary market in central West Texas. The metro has a population of about 170,000 people. And when I was doing my research on markets, what I saw was that it's very common for smaller markets to have less economic volatility than major metros such as Dallas, where I reside. And so that is the case with Abilene. And so once I saw that, well, let me get more specific. Like during the last recession, uh, the Great Recession, what I saw was that, for example, the drop in median income wasn't as steep as it was in neighboring Dallas-Fort Worth. I also saw that the increase in unemployment rate wasn't as high as in Dallas-Fort Worth. So I liked that uh, lower volatility aspect of Abilene because I felt then as I do now that the market was getting rather overheated in Dallas-Fort Worth. And so that was one thing that I liked about that market. I also liked that it was small, but not too small. It's still 170000 in the metro. I also saw that that market is pretty economically diversified. One thing you want to pay attention to when evaluating markets is, is it a one-horse town economically? And specific to Texas and certain parts of the Southwest, is it an oil and gas town, uh, which Abilene is not? So they've got two private universities, an Air Force base. And so economically, I like the picture there. And so I knew that this property, Riata Ranch in uh, Abilene was was interesting to me from an asset standpoint. And then I liked the market. So I went ahead and uh, chased it. And from there, it was really, you know, the, the process of chasing the deal is, is you do your desk underwriting, and then you kind of knock down dominoes. So that's the analogy I use is the first domino is, well, does it underwrite well from your desk? Yeah. Okay. Well, is the market all right? Yes. So you knock down another one. Then at that point, I engaged a uh, third-party property manager, have them put eyes on it, and they think, hey, this looks like a pretty good deal. All right. Well, now let's tour it with the property manager. And so you go through the sequence of steps on uh, one step after another. And sure enough, at some point, you're putting in an offer and then uh, hopefully making best and final on it. How'd you raise the capital for this deal? What I did there was so I knew that my capacity was going to be limited as a as a brand new aspiring real estate investor. So I partnered with my mentor at the time, Mark Kenny, as well as a gentleman by the name of uh, Will Crozier and his partner Jason Sharp. Who the, those three people are are all very experienced multifamily investors, and they've raised many millions of dollars uh, across them across thousands of doors. And so we formed a partnership with the four of us and we split up the asset management and acquisitions responsibilities. And I leaned on them heavily to help with the capital raising process. Any other quick tips that you learned just through that first deal that you could pass on to the listener? Even when we closed the deal, I didn't hold some sort of big celebration because I'm always thinking about the next step. 
So, for example, I find a deal that I like. Okay, well, the next step is to get an LOI in. Okay, once I get in the best and final based on that LOI, then I'm still not celebrating because then I need to win the deal. Okay, now I won the deal, but now I need to operate this thing. So, you always want to, once you hit a goal, then you always want to think about what's the next goal? What's the next step that I need to do? Because life is always a process. It's not a, a destination. And there is no destination at which you're going to all of a sudden magically be happy. You know, that's a myth, right? Like you need to enjoy yourself in the process of life. And so that's what I would say is, is once you have a goal, you need to establish a new one because what you need to enjoy in your life and, and hone in on is the process of what you're doing. You need to figure out how to enjoy that or otherwise change the process. <laughs> What's been the hardest part getting to this point in the syndication business for you? The hardest part was and remains acquisitions. So finding a deal that meets my criteria. So we we followed that first deal up with the second acquisition, which closed in September of 2019, but we haven't acquired anything since. So pricing has been a challenge. I'm still very consistently underwriting deals and keeping up relationships with brokers, but just I haven't found much worth offering on and we haven't acquired anything. So that's been the toughest. Are there ways that you're overcoming that now that you are your ways you're finding to overcome it? I don't know that there's a way to overcome it. I just got to keep going. Sharks yeah. got to keep no, swimming, right? How do you prepare for a potential downturn? You make your money when you buy, or maybe more importantly, you avoid losing money based on how you buy. So that touches on your previous question. That's why it's so hard for us to find a new deal right now is because at this point yeah. in the cycle... There's a lot of money chasing, not as many deals, valuations are high. And so um, that's when you need to have even more margin for yourself and your investors, which is paradoxical with the, the market, right? They're paying more. So it makes it harder and harder to find a deal. On that note, what do you see happening over the next six to 12 months? I don't know what I see or expect, but what I hope is that there is going to be some sort of a correction in multifamily. We are in the midst of a recession and yet that hasn't really affected multifamily receipts, uh, revenues, nor, and consequently hasn't affected multifamily valuations. So I think that, you know, with, with upwards of 30 million people having lost their jobs, not most of them or many of them not regaining employment, I think there has to be a trickle down effect on multifamily revenues. And once NOI goes down, then that means valuations are going to go down and cap rates might expand. So my thinking is that within the next 12 months that we may see some sort of correction in values of multifamily that may present some buying opportunities. Chihiro, how did you gain such a high level of self-discipline? I don't know. Maybe it's my parents, Whitney. And my mom specifically, I owe her a lot of credit, but you know, she was a, a disciplinarian, a, a strict mom for sure. And while I had no idea that I was going to go into entrepreneurship, specifically real estate entrepreneurship, as recently as five years ago. But that discipline, I think, just comes from, from back when I was a child, when uh, there were strict rules on what could and couldn't be done. And there were, there were consequences if I were to break rules or act in an undisciplined manner. So I think I give her a lot of credit. Love that. What about, uh, I know we've talked about some of these, but maybe you could just say, you know, quickly, a couple habits that you are disciplined about that, you know, you must do every day. I think being healthy is really important. So eating right, 
and, and exercising. I heard a, a brilliant quote. I can't take credit for it, but somebody said, a healthy man has a thousand wishes, a sick man has one. And so, when I heard that, it really struck me and, and stuck to me. So, uh, that's a big part of me and my wife's lifestyles is, is eating healthy and staying fit. And I think that that actually contributes to the discipline that you just asked about. The way you do one thing is the way you do all things, right? So, uh, I think one would benefit greatly from having an overall approach to life that, that is about discipline and, and doing the right thing. What's the number one thing that you've changed recently to improve your business or added whatever that we could also uh, apply to our business? Across these two deals that we've done so far, the first one, I didn't have a, a true team. But for the second, by the time we had closed that second deal, I have a true core team at our firm, Black River Equity Partners, my partner, Stuart and uh, Hunter. And we run together. We we have a commitment to each other. We're a true team. And so I think developing that, having gone through a variety of different potential partners to finally arrive at the the three of us, I think has been an important development for me personally and professionally. I think you always have to be thinking about what your team's going to look like, and it'll take you time before you can formulate that team. Great advice. What's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Right now, to be totally honest, like a lot of what we're focusing on is, is maintaining relationships with our existing investors. And one thing that's really helping with that actually is that we are under contract to sell our first deal. So, you know, that, that definitely strengthens uh, conversations and relationships with those investors. So that, that's been a primary focus for me right now is maintaining and building the strength of our existing relationships. What's the number one thing that's contributed to your success? We already talked about it, Whitney. It's, it's being relentless, no doubt. Being unwilling yeah. to stop hearing the criticism and, and just letting it roll off your back. Steadfast uh, belief that you can do this thing. I appreciate you just hammering that home. I think the listeners and, and myself I just can't hear that enough. Maybe they're in that spot right now where they're, you know, being criticized by family or friends. And and I think sometimes we just need to hear that over and over. You got to keep looking forward. Uh, you know, instead of, instead of looking down like you're going to fall, you know, look forward where you want to go. Jiro, h- how do you like to give back? Right now, the principal way I'm doing that is through mentorship. So I'm mentoring a few people who are undergrads and one of whom I've kept up a relationship with for a few years now. And so really saw him flourish from, we started talking when he was a sophomore in college and now he has graduated and and working in spite of the very challenging job market with COVID. So I'm very proud of him and really enjoy the process of mentoring people and having the privilege of seeing them them uh, develop and playing a small role in that. Jahiro, so grateful to have met you and heard more about your story. We have very similar stories and and I just I'm so encouraged just uh you know watching somebody like yourself just push through uh, you know a hard 2 years, you know, to get to where you're at now uh, to reach that level of success and pushing through when other people think, you know, are, qu- are questioning what you're doing and and uh, just having that being relentless like you have mentioned. I'm grateful again for your your quote, you know, no abnormal results without abnormal effort. Uh, you're definitely an example of of that and, and an encouragement to the listeners and myself. Uh, tell them how they can get in touch with you and learn more about you. Thank you very much, uh, Whitney. Love your work, love your podcast. So thank you. We can be reached at www.blackriverep.com. That's uh, Black River EP as an equity partners.
Don't go yet. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I would love it if you would go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. I want to hear your feedback. It makes a big difference in getting the podcast out there. You can also go to the Real Estate Syndication Show on Facebook so you can connect with me and we can also receive feedback and your questions there that you want me to answer on the show. Subscribe too so you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, I want to keep you updated. So head over to lifebridgecapital.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with me, sign up on the contact us page so you can talk to me directly. Have a blessed day and I will talk to you tomorrow. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.